I'm Dr. Michael Greger, and this is Nutrition Facts. There's one thing we've been thinking a lot about lately, and that's how to stay healthy in the middle of a global pandemic, especially since we've learned that those with underlying health problems like obesity, uh, hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, are more likely to have serious complications if they contract COVID-19. So what do we do? We try to stay healthy with evidence-based nutrition. Did you know that natural approaches to lowering high blood pressure can work better than drugs? Why? Uh, because you're treating the underlying cause and can end up having only good side effects. Here's our first story. The number one killer in the United States and on the planet Earth is a bad diet. That's why I've dedicated my life to the study of nutrition. Killer number two is high blood pressure. Uh, the reason it's so deadly is that it increases your risk of dying from so many different diseases— heart disease, stroke, to you know, heart and kidney failure. We're talking an exponential increase in the risk of dying from a stroke, as our pressures go up, starting from around you know, 110 over 70. An exponential increase in the risk of dying from heart disease, again, starting at a blood pressure around 110 over 70. We used to consider our blood pressure as high as 175 to be normal. Normal if you wanted to die from the normal diseases like heart attack and stroke. A quote-unquote normal of 175 over 110 could put you at over 1,000% higher risk of having you croak from a stroke compared to the ideal. Not the normal, but the ideal, which is down around 110 over 70. The definition of high blood pressure, hypertension, dropped from as high as 190 over 110 down to 160 over 95, with treatment thresholds for high-risk groups starting at 150 over 90 down to 140 over 90, and then most recently 130 over 80. Now, instead of one in three Americans having hypertension, with the new definition, it's closer to one in two, or, or more like two-thirds of those over the age of 45. You know, every time the threshold drops, labeling tens of millions more people diseased, there's this backlash. Same thing every time the cholesterol guidelines get more and more stringent, right? Uh, but don't blame the guidelines. Americans are diseased. That's the real problem. Uh, the American way of life is the problem, not the guidelines. Maybe we should focus on that instead. Now, after all, the number one killer of men and women is heart disease, a disease that can be prevented, arrested, and reversed with a healthy enough diet. So even though a cholesterol of 200 may be normal, maybe we should tell people to strive for under 150. Even though a BMI of 24.9 is technically not overweight, an average height woman, for example, would be better off down around 120 pounds than 145. And similarly, though, a blood pressure of 120 over 80 may be normal, 110 would be a better top number, and 70 a better lower number. As even down in that range between you know, 70 to 75 or 75 to 80, each five-point increment is associated with a third more stroke and at least a fifth more heart disease. So why are the new guidelines up at 130 over 80? With an average of three different blood pressure drugs, you can force people's blood pressures from 140 down to 120, compared to just giving them two blood pressure drugs. And high-risk people live longer because of it. Significantly less death in the intensive treatment group, but because of the higher doses and drugs, had more side effects. Right? So you have to you know, weigh the risks versus benefits. 
1 to 2% of people on the drugs for five years will benefit uh, not having a cardiovascular event and when they otherwise might, and that has to be balanced against the higher risk of adverse side effects. So you know, you'll hear commentators saying things like, yeah, the drugs decrease your risk of events by 25%, but increase your risk of serious side effects by you know, 88%. Okay, but those events can include things like death, whereas the you know, side effects are you know, more in the order of you know, fainting. These adverse events do need to be weighed against the benefits with respect to cardiovascular events and death that are you know, associated with intensive control of systolic blood pressure. Like if we use drugs to push high-risk people down to a top number of 120, uh, we might prevent over 100,000 deaths and 46,000 cases of heart failure every year, but could cause 43,000 cases of electrolyte abnormalities, 88,000 cases of acute kidney injury. I mean, not great, but you know, better than dying. Right? So you can see the conundrum guidelines committees are in. Right? On one hand, lowering blood pressure is good for your heart, kidneys, and brain. Uh, but at a certain point, the side effects from the drugs could outweigh the benefits. Ideally, we want to get you know, patients' blood pressures as low as possible, but you know, only want to use drugs to do it when the effects of treatment are likely to be less destructive than the elevated blood pressure. Uh, the problem is that most people who die from heart disease, heart failure, and stroke may be in that borderline range not sufficiently elevated to warrant drug treatment. Right? If only there was some way to lower blood pressure without drugs to get the best of both worlds. Thankfully, there are regular aerobic exercise, weight loss, smoking cessation, increased dietary fiber intake, decreased alcoholic beverage intake, consumption of a more plant-based diet, and cutting down on salt. The advantages, first of all, no bad side effects. Right? Uh, some lifestyle interventions can actually work better than the drugs because you're treating the cause and actually have instead good side effects. So not 1 or 2% benefit over five years. Everybody benefits. In our next story, the effect of fasting to lower blood pressure compared to medications, cutting down on alcohol, meat and salt, eating more fruits and vegetables, or eating completely plant-based. Fasting has been practiced for thousands of years, but only recently have we started to put it to the test. Uh, but what about fasting for treating and preventing other diseases? One of the side effects noticed in the early weight loss studies was a consistent fall in blood pressure, so much so you typically have to stop taking blood pressure medications while you're fasting, else your pressures fall too low. Once you start eating again, your pressures go back up, but remarkably not as high as they were before. But of course, it depends on you know, what you start eating again. For example, a case report of a woman who used fasting to drive her rheumatoid arthritis into remission. Systolic uh, uh, blood pressure started up around 170, despite you know, multiple blood pressure medications, was put on a whole food plant-based diet for eight weeks. That dropped her down to, from 170 down to 130, off of all her medications before starting the fast, and then normalizing down to 110 after the fast. Uh, but is that just because of all the weight loss? I mean, she lost. 22 pounds on the fast, and you know, 27 pounds on the plant-based diet. Um, so yeah, it's extraordinary to drop your pressures from 170 to 110, uh, but that was after losing about 50 pounds. Right? Uh, we've known for decades that any kind of weight loss can lower blood pressure. 
Uh, even minor weight loss can lower blood pressures in obese persons, even if they remain significantly overweight. Uh, but most of the drop in blood pressures with severe caloric restriction happens within the first two days uh, before significant loss of body fat. So it may also be a reduction in the fight-or-flight stress hormones, like adrenaline and noradrenaline, both before and after exercise, after just two weeks of just a few hundred calories a day. So that may be one reason why very low-calorie diets have been found useful in lowering blood pressures, even in those for whom blood pressure medications fail, the changes in those hormones. But low-calorie diets also tend to be more plant-based, so there's you know, fiber and potassium-rich foods, less saturated fat. Even just adding fruits and vegetables to the diets of hypertensives can lower the systolic blood pressure, the top number, by seven points. I mean, that's the kind of blood pressure improvement you might get losing you know, 10 pounds just by eating more fruits and vegetables. And if you combine that with a drop in meat consumption, not only doubling fruit and vegetable intake, but combining that with trying to slash saturated fat and cholesterol, right, you can cut pressures by 11 points. What else can we do? Restricting alcohol intake and regular daily drinkers can drop you 5 points. Right, so uh, let's, let's keep track here. Alcohol restriction can drop your systolic blood pressure 5 points. Losing 10 pounds can drop you 7, as can just eating the recommended 8 to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Regular aerobic exercise for at least 3 months can drop you 9. Combine the fruits and vegetables with meat reduction, you can drop it 11. Blood pressure medications can have side effects, but on their own can drop pressures by 15 points. Uh, what about cutting down on salt? Uh, note in the other diet study, they kept the sodium levels the same. Cut sodium enough, and it can edge out drugs at 16. The drugs, 15. Sodium restriction, 16. Is that the best we can do with diet? Put people on a purely plant-based diet, even one you know, moderate in sodium, and you can drop hypertensives by 18 points, even after 9 out of 10 reduce their blood pressure medications or stop them entirely, all within just 7 days. That's, that's pretty impressive. Now, uh, what if you took that same diet but added fasting? 37 points. Finally today, a whole food plant-based diet can be used to help lock in the benefits of fasting to kickstart the reversal of high blood pressure. Medically supervised water-only fasting and the treatment of high blood pressure. 174 consecutive patients were treated in an inpatient setting. Uh, first, a few days of fruits and vegetables. Uh, this is to kind of clear out the gut so they don't become constipated. Followed by 10 or 11 days of water-only fasting before transitioning them back to a whole-food plant-based diet. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, which are beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils, and nuts and seeds with no animal products, processed foods, or added salt, oil, or sugar. They all came in hypertensive, over 140 over 90, but 9 out of 10 of them, 89% walked out with pressures under 140 over 90. The average reduction in systolic blood pressure was 37 points, which is remarkable compared to other interventions, including drugs. And that was just the average drop. Those came in with really high pressures, like over 180, experienced a 60-point drop. This is arguably the largest effect ever published in the scientific literature. And that was after they had all stopped all their blood pressure medications. They conclude that medically supervised water-only fasting appears to be a safe 
an effective means of normalizing blood pressure. Extraordinarily effective, but for how long? I mean, fasting is the least sustainable diet out there, right? Interestingly, when they resumed feeding, their, their blood pressures dropped even further, uh, suggesting fasting could be used to kickstart the normalization of blood pressure, and then you could keep it down from then on with a healthy enough diet. They were able to track down a few dozen patients much later, and on average their pressures remained down. We don't know what happened to the rest, but I mean, it shows that at least it can provide more lasting benefits for some. A subsequent smaller study followed up people up to a year later, and the blood pressure reduction seemed to hold, along with the weight loss, so you know, presumably they stuck with the healthier diet. Uh, now, no one should be fasting for more than a day or two unsupervised, so this treatment certainly carries a cost, but the entire cost appears to have just been recouped within the first year, just from decreased medical care costs alone. An alternative is the Buchinger method of fasting, popular in Europe, where instead of water only, people get like you know, 300 calories a day, and like fruit juice and vegetable broth. I mean, it still needs to be done under professional supervision, but at least people don't have to like, you know, take time off work. People are randomized, seven days of that, and then followed up four months later. After four months, you'd think you know, any benefit from the one-week quasi-fast would have disappeared, but their blood pressures ended up 15 points lower than the control group. Although long-term follow-up of these subjects has been you know, sporadic, uh, the available data suggests that these large reductions in blood pressure can be conserved in patients who remain compliant with the follow-up diet. In other words, a cure for hypertension may be feasible, though of course if they resume to the original diet that had made them hypertensive in the first place, uh, that would presumably lead to a resurgence of their blood pressure. And the fast may actually help with that. Uh, the preliminary fast may help people stick to healthier diets that would ordinarily have you know, little appeal to people accustomed to meretriciously salty and greasy meals. That is an SAT word if I ever saw one. I had to, I had to Google that one, but apparently attractive, but having in reality no value. Sounds about right. The secret to long-term benefits may be in helping kickstart the healthier diet by cleansing our palate, which has been so you know, deadened by you know, hyper-sweet, hyper-salty, hyper-fatty foods. I mean, after not eating for a week, your regular, normal, healthy, real food tastes good again. Like you know, the ripest peach in the world would taste sour after a bowl of Fruit Loops. Right? But fasting may resensitize our taste buds such that you can enjoy something like you know, corn on the cob without the added you know, butter and salt, uh, so you can get the best of both worlds, taste great and less killing. We would love it if you could share with us your stories about reinventing your health through evidence-based nutrition. Go to nutritionfacts.org forward slash testimonials. We may be able to share it on our social media to help inspire others. To see any graphs, charts, graphics, images, or studies mentioned here, please go to the Nutrition Facts podcast landing page. There you'll find all the detailed information you need, plus links to all the sources we cite for each of these topics. For recipes, check out my How Not to Die cookbook. It's beautifully designed with more than 100 recipes for delicious and nutritious meals. And speaking of new books, I have a new book just out, How to Survive a Pandemic, now out in audiobook, read by me, and ebook with physical copies out in August. Pre-order the physical copy now, or 
Download the ebook and audiobook now as well. NutritionFacts.org is a nonprofit, science based public service where you can sign up for free daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite sized videos and articles. Everything on the website is free. There's no ads, no corporate sponsorship. It's strictly non commercial. I'm not selling anything. I just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother, whose own life was saved with evidence based nutrition. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Facts. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger.